You're listening to Scribblers Radio. You're listening to Scribblers Radio. You're listening to Scribblers Radio. Welcome to Scribblers Radio. Young podcasters interviewing authors at the Scribblers Festival 2021. This is Rosie and Caitlin speaking with the highly entertaining R.A. Spratt, author of The Pesky Kids, Friday Barns and The Adventures of Nanny Piggins. Hi everyone, this is Caitlin and Rosie at the Scribblers Festival and we're interviewing R.A. Spratt. And to start us off, what does the A in R.A. Spratt stand for and why do you go by that name? Oh, that's a terrible first question because I'm not going to tell you. It's a secret. Oh, no, the A is a big secret because when I started becoming an author, I didn't realise that when you're an author, you're supposed to have a fake signature so that people can't copy your signature and steal all your money from your bank account. And like, I just, it just didn't occur to me. So I'd signed like 3,000 books before I was like, oh my goodness, I should have like an old alternate signature and so I thought and then people are like well what does the RA stand for it's like well when the bank rings you up and they want proof that you are who you are what do they ask you they ask you what's your full name what's your middle name what's your what's your birthday and I thought I gotta stop telling people these secret details about myself so um <laughs> I, I said someone asked me once oh, what's your what's your middle name and I said oh I'm not gonna tell you just make something up and she said awesome and I said that's it that's my middle name awesome so there are multiple answers, but basically I'm not going to tell you. Okay, great. Yes. Okay, so could you describe yourself in three words? No, I don't do brevity. That's Because people always ask you that. It's like, describe yourself in a few words. And I say, I, I don't do brevity. I say, See, that's four. I've even gone it's over four. there. Yeah. And one of them is a contraction, so really it's five. <laughs> I read that you hated English in school and spelling was never your strong suit. How did you overcome that? I didn't hate English. I was really bad at English. There's a distinction because I loved reading and I loved the books and we'd have class discussions and I felt I knew more than everybody and would, would tell everybody what I thought of the books. But I was always very bad at essay writing and I, I read quite slowly. I read in a strange way too. I read left to right and right to left simultaneously. And so I get very confused when I'm reading and I read words that aren't there and then sometimes the words that aren't there are more interested in the words that are there and then my brain goes, oh, that's an interesting idea. And sometimes the things, like if there's possible like swear words, my brain will go to them and even though there's not swear words there I'm like oh my gosh this Jane Austen book is raunchier than I thought and it's like you're misreading it you fool um so I, I did very badly at English it was my lowest mark in when I did year 12 and the way when I went through high school uh the way it worked was you could drop your lowest mark so my lowest mark was English so English did not count towards my final mark at the end of high school um, and I was really, really bad at spelling. When I was in primary school, my uh, teacher had a meeting with my mother. She was so concerned. It was like, are we going to have intervention and get some sort of brain therapy for her because her spelling is so bad? And they decided I would be okay if I carried a dictionary with me everywhere for the rest of my life, which at the time I remember thinking, that's like some sort of horrific jail sentence, you know, because dictionaries used to be like the size and weight of a brick. And, you know, if I had that in my pants, my pants would be falling down all the time. So um, I, I remember that meeting vividly sitting under the tree on the, this bench and my mother and me thinking, I don't want to carry a dictionary. But luckily your phone is like a dictionary now. But, but I have slightly improved at spelling. But my brain just doesn't. Oh, you're, you're grown up. Your grown up had their phone on. They didn't turn it off. <laughs> this, no, don't edit that out. I forbid you to edit that out. This is a fun part of podcasting. Anyway, I think I've answered your question now. So in your past, you're a television writer 
Did this job have any impact on you when it came to writing your novels? Yes, it did. Of course it did. For a start, um, I would have starved to death if I didn't have a job. I was doing both simultaneously to start with. And, you know, like you can't write a book if you're dead from starvation So and homeless. So, like, it basically bankrolled rolled my, the first five years of my career as an author. Most authors have day jobs. Like, the vast majority have day jobs because it isn't a job. It's very hard to make a living out of being an author. And then as you get better, you can sort of – your day job can recede. So I'm lucky the last few years I've been able to be an author full time. But uh, it also influenced the way I write because um, I like because I've had all these challenges with with writing and being English at school and, and and university and things. I had all these. I was very bad at essay writing. So for me, it, I was a writer for ten years before it occurred to me that I might be able to write a book because I just didn't have the confidence. It's like I'm terrible at English. How could I write a book? And then you think. Then I started to think. Well, I have been a writer for ten years. Maybe I do have it in me. But what I did was when I started writing books, I wrote them like TV shows. So if you look at Nanny Piggins, it's structured the exact same way as a sitcom. So every chapter is like a, a sitcom episode. And then the whole book is like a sitcom series. So each chapter is a separate story. And it works like a sitcom because in a sitcom, you have a situation. That's the sit part of the sitcom. And the com is comedy. Um <laughs> You laugh, but some people don't know this and I'm being educational. <laughs> so anyway, but in a sitcom, what you want is you want about six characters and you want the situation that you want them to never evolve and to never learn. And you always come back to the starting point at the end of the episode. So each chapter of Nanny Piggins is like that. And then the whole book has a loose arc the way a sitcom series has an arc. Okay. So yes, I write books like TV series. If you had the opportunity to bring to life any character from any of your books, who would it be? Why and what would you do with them? Oh, well, I love dogs. So probably Pumpkin the dog from the Pesky Kids. Oh, he's just so cool. And he bites people and he pees on everything. And I would love to try and train him because I've got a cavoodle. And my cavoodle is he is the sweetest dog in the entire universe. And I've trained him that I yell, attack, 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 attack. Go for the jugular, Henry, go. And he'll just run towards whoever I'm pointing at and, and lick them. Like, I love you, I love you, I love you. Because he doesn't understand English and he doesn't, you know. And I think it, I find this really funny. Although small children, when I start yelling, attack, 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 they're like, <laughs> but pumpkin actually would attack people so I, i'd love to get pumpkin as a dog and try and calm him down and then be secretly delighted when he bit my enemies <laughs> like a weapon yes because he's so cute people wouldn't expect it it's a secret weapon yeah yeah because they'd be like oh it's a cute doggy and then before they know it their hand would just be like <laughs> and i was like i'd be like he's never done that before <laughs> this is uncalled for. Yeah. So could you share some top tips for like writing characters? For writing characters? Well, I should like, like people always ask you um, stuff like I know what I'm talking about. And like, there's, you know, in popular culture at the moment, people are talking more about how you need to own when you don't know something and when you sh you can you can say, I don't have an opinion because I'm too ignorant. Now, obviously, I do know a bit about writing and writing characters, but I just want to like to start off with, have the disclaimer of, I have no idea how I do what I do. It just happens. So for me to then say, oh, this is how you do it, kids, I, I feel kind of like I'm being a faker because I've got no idea how I'm doing it. Um, my tip would be, like, I often base characters on people and always remember to change the actual name because I based a, can a character on one of my teachers from school <laughs> called Mrs. Cannon and I forgot to change her name. And she's in like six of the Friday Barnes books as Mrs. Cannon. Oh, my gosh, uh, I remember yeah. her. But Mrs. Cannon's pretty cool, so hopefully if she ever finds out, she, she won't mind. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Yeah, you, you know, like people are crazy and extreme in real life. So if you're stuck for a character, just think of the most unpleasant. But also unpleasant people are way more interesting characters than nice people. And even if they're nice, they give them a dark secret. And if they're horrible, give them a nice secret, like they love kid, kittens or something. So just think of the, the most horrible person you, you know mm. and then give them like like the opposite of a dark secret, like like they like to, to grow tulips or something, you know. So Beautiful. like Darth Vader growing tulips. <laughs> Give them a complication, yeah. Why can I imagine Darth Vader growing Oh, you can just lips? imagine he's one of those, you know, like, you know, and prune in and it's like getting the light just right and, yeah. <laughs> you know, if he did grow tulips, he probably wouldn't be so angry and then I mean, he wouldn't he'd... have to kill, you know, destroy Alderaan and kill millions of people. You know, yeah. <sighs> Pick one of your characters and how would they answer this question? What is your favourite time of the day? <laughs> My thoughts went to April and she would just say, what a stupid question. <laughs> Have you read The Pesky Kids? I love April because she's just so angry about everything, everything. for this no reason at all. <laughs> pumpkin attack. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Nanny Piggins would say something like, you know, the, the moment the chocolate shop opens. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I went down to the Murray River Chocolate Company yesterday to get – Chocolate quackers for my, my kids. Chocolate quackers? Yeah, they exist. You can get actually quite large ones. They're not as big as a quacker, but like half the size of a real quacker. Oh, my God. I need to I need Yeah, to I need one. to go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to be in a sugar coma. Yeah. Oh, but what a good coma to be in. If you're going to be in a coma, that's the Rolls Royce of comas. That's the best Yeah. Okay. So what is your favourite word and why? Oh, um, I, yeah, I like to say awesome a lot. Um <laughs> And part of the reason I enjoy it is because it irritates people <laughs> because my husband hates it because it's like, oh, it's so American and it's just like overused. It's like everything you say is awesome. It's like this coffee is awesome. You know, this carpet is awesome. <laughs> I quite enjoy irritating people. I like seeing like, see them sort of like, a, ugh. especially when they're like really delighted to meet me because I'm like their favourite author and then you start to irritate them by using a mindless word all the time. <laughs> I hate the word gorgeous also. <laughs> gorgeous. Yeah, because women always introduce their friends. It's like, here's my gorgeous friend, Rachel. And I just think, gorgeous. You know, was, the, feminism has had like a, a, over 100 years to evolve since, you know, women were throwing themselves in front of the king's horse to get the right to vote. Surely we can describe ourselves with an adjective <laughs> that is not based on our physical appearance. <laughs> it's like, here's my kick-ass friend. I shouldn't say that on the kids' podcast. Here's my my really, you know, awesome, awesome, awesome <laughs> friend, Rachel, or... You know, here's Rachel. She's going to tell you some crazy stories. She's going <laughs> to tell you about her dog. I mean, dog. you don't need to know that I'm gorgeous. I mean, obviously I am gorgeous, but I just yes. don't think it's the first thing people need to know about me. Yes. What's something you're really passionate about? <laughs> I love food. <laughs> I do a lot of exercise. I love exercise. And if you do a lot of exercise, you get very hungry. So I really, I think a lot about food. <laughs> What I'm gonna eat next, what I'm gonna eat later today, what my, what my last snack will be before I go to bed at night. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that. The amount of time I spend thinking about my books is nothing compared to the amount of time I spend thinking about exercise and what I will eat after exercise. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Um, who's the weirdest person you know? Other than you two. <laughs> well, I ring church bells for a hobby. 
like I, I don't know that sounds really weird and random, but I do, and I have like it's, I'm I was born in England, and I'm like the fifth generation in my family that does it. I don't want to do it. It's just like I was cursed with this as my destiny, <laughs> and I teach um, a lot of older people in our community and us town and um but anyway bell ringers not so much the people i ring with in, in barrel but the, bell ringers generally are the weirdest people on the face of the earth so like if you if i was going to pick the weirdest person i knew it probably won't be one or several of them in fact i i know the one and i'm not going to describe him because i don't want to be mean but yeah it's a bell ringer <laughs> <laughs> okay who is your favorite author and why other than me yes <laughs> I love Jane Austen. She's just so smart and so funny and also reassuring. And um, so, I, like, that's my comfort reading is going – like, I'm reading Northanger Abbey at the moment because I'm going to do a workshop with some kids when I go home because they're reading it for school. But I love Persuasion and I love um, Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice. But Persuasion is my favourite. So if I can't find something I want to read, I'll just reread Persuasion. Yes. Okay. So would you recommend Nanny Pickens' style of babysitting to anybody? <laughs> well, Nanny Pickens is fictional, so no, <laughs> no. Um, what, shoving chocolate cake into babies' yes. mouths and trying to sit on the babies? No. Well, that was actually inspired by – I wrote that when I had my first baby because what happened was I got my book deal. I got the phone call telling me I had a book deal and I was in the maternity ward. I'd had my first baby the day before. So I'm literally holding a one-day-old baby and I get the call from my agent saying, Rachel, good news and bad news. Good news is you've got a book deal. They're going to publish your book because I'd already written Nanny, Nanny Pickens 1. And I said, oh, that's great. She said, the bad news is it's a two-book deal and you've got three months to write the second 50,000-word book. And I look at the baby. I'm like, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So all my books are really quite autobiographical. Whatever's going on in my real life bleeds through into the book. So the first chapter of the second book is the one where Nanny Piggins is babysitting and she has no idea what she's doing and the baby cries all the time. And that's basically me writing about my experience in that moment. And so she's like trying to give it chocolate cake and chocolate milk to cheer it up and stuff. Because everybody loves chocolate. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. What are your hobbies? My hobbies, well, exercise and also I like to garden. I really like to espalier fruit trees. That's where you grow, train fruit trees so that they grow sort of flat against a wall or a fence. Oh. And um, they're very geometric and uh, I love doing that. It's very nerdy and obscure, but it's true. <laughs> it's very satisfying. When my kids were younger and they would just be screaming all the time and I would go out into the garden and it was very calm and, and I'd be there pruning my trees and I could hear that in the distance inside the house the muffled sound of my children fighting with each other and I would ignore them and concentrate Lovely. on my trees. Yes, so, And then making jam out of the fruit that you get from the trees. I like so, that too. So you love the garden. Would you, do you ever write in the garden? No. <laughs> No, because if you take, like, you always see on adverts for, like, Apple and Dell and stuff, people with their laptop out in public spaces just, oh, I'm writing my novel. It's like, that's just ridiculous because the sun glints off the screen <laughs> and it's also, it's going to rain or windy, you're going to get bitten by mosquitoes. It's always better to be up in your office with your desk and your coffee. No. Your nice no. woolen blanket. I write really well on aeroplanes because there's no distractions. And so I, I got heaps written on the flight on the way out to Perth. And um, But no, I don't write in the garden. I did when I was writing sketch comedy like 20 years ago. We had a pool in our backyard and, and it was hot in Sydney where I was living at the time. And I had like this inflatable thing and I would sit on that with a, with a, a notepad and I would write sketch comedy floating in the pool. That was pretty cool. Oh, that would be fun. I would love to do but that. But I wouldn't do that with my, like, $2,000 laptop. <laughs> <laughs> no way. 
Um, how do you overcome writer's block? Okay, for, I've got to stop. I've got to blow my nose. I'm sorry. <laughs> Talking makes my nose run. <laughs> There's tissues over there. I can see them. Just wait. No, you can include this in the podcast. I don't okay. mind. Okay. <laughs> wait, as the elevator <laughs> elevator music plays. Na 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 na. It is a really weird thing that when you do presentations, my nose starts to run. And I was telling another author about this, don't you when you talk, 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 your nose starts to run. And they're like, no, you're just weird. So what was your question again? Sorry. How do you overcome writer's block? I never get writer's block. Well, I do. See, writer's block is something people talk about. Usually it's not full-time professional writers who get it. Because when you're a full-time professional writer, like my first ever job at Good News Week, I had to write about 40 jokes every day. And within that, you'd have you'd write on three or four topics and some days you had to hand in your topics as you wrote them so you had like 90 minute turnarounds to write 10 to 12 jokes and so just the discipline of it and the thing is if none of your jokes are good you still have to hand them in and sometimes you're not a good judge so at the end of 90 minutes you just hand in what you've got whether regardless of what you think of, of it when people get writer's block it's not that they can't write it's a, it's usually that they feel that they can't write something good and that's the problem. When you're a professional writer, you don't care whether it's good. You just hand it in regardless. And the weird thing is, if you're any good, what you think is bad is usually not bad. So it's not too so so basically I've never got writer's block because I just plow on and if it's if, if I think it's no good, I'll just keep going anyway because I've got my deadlines and I've got to pay the rent and I've got no choice and so I gotta hit my deadlines. You know, in a good news week it was every day and sketch comedy shows would be once a week. With uh animated shows it would be like when when you know that you'd have a deadline and you had to meet it and you just hand in what you've got the best you can do at that deadline. And so with writing books, it's like I'm writing Friday Barnes 10 at the moment and it just feels like what I'm writing is just absolute trash. It just feels <laughs> awful. I've just written this chapter and I think this is just rubbish and I hate it but I'm not going to rewrite it and I'm not going to stop writing the book I'll just write the next rubbish chapter but it's amazing you get to the end and you go back and you think actually this isn't rubbish it's a staggering work of genius that's good I'll just hand it in how it is but some people they would stop when they felt they were writing rubbish and they'd be like oh I'm stuck and you know I have writer's block and I'm going to take three weeks off and go to a beach it's like no you just got to keep writing rubbish because it's probably better than you think is there anything you want your readers to take away from your books? Uh, the overwhelming urge to buy the next one for full <laughs> recommended retail price from their local Well, you're store. succeeding. Yes. That's, that's just why the Friday Barnes books have the cliffhangers. Because it's like, mm. I've yeah. got to get the next one. Um, and, you know, everyone always assumes that you, as a writer, you're driven by creative goals and, you know, messages and it's like really like as I said earlier I spend a lot of time thinking about food and eating yes. and it's like I'm I, I this is how I make my money so I literally do think how can I get people to buy the next book I need to make this book awesome so they want to buy my other 22 books so yes that is that is um what I'm thinking I am a mercenary person <laughs> Out of each of your books, who's your favourite character? I don't really have a favourite. And also, I'm quite frightened of several of my characters. Like, Nanny Piggins and April are frightening. <laughs> they are scary. So, if I said I like Friday Barnes more, they would get me. And I'm serious about that. I view these people as, like, separate people to myself who exist. And um, I would not want to say. I, and I, it's like when someone says, which of your children do you like the most? It's like, <laughs> you've got to say, I love them all equally. Because the other one will come well you would after crush you with destroy. a pitch, pitch yeah. well so you give them psychological problems if you said oh you know you're okay but I prefer the other one um so anyway yeah I'm not gonna answer that question it's terrible 
I mean, I'm very fond, and you you find like I love, I'm fond of like some of the minor characters like Boris and stuff because you know so you just want to give him a cuddle. Oh, and, I love Boris. Yeah, and Binky is like oh Binky, oh Binky. Yeah, <laughs> I love Binky, and I love like Joy the waitress, the really stroppy waitress. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, she's actually based on a real person. I just see around town. Wait, seriously? Yeah, yeah, and like m- me and my daughters, we refer to her as oh look, there's Joy the waitress. <laughs> She's not a waitress in real life, but we just see this miserable looking young person walking around town. And I thought, wouldn't it be funny if her name was Joy? <laughs> and she, she had to work in, as a waitress and like serve the customers. <laughs> but I'm really fond of her. And then you, get, you think, well, let's give her a really interesting backstory just to explain why she is the way she is, which is, yeah, that's fun. Okay. So is there any inspiration you get for your stories from like, is it people around you? Oh yeah. I steal from real life all the time. And I read about four or five newspapers every day. So I get lots of stuff from the newspapers, just like ideas. And um, I'm always, it's not necessarily specific instances, but I'm, I'm interested by extremes of motivation. Like when people are rude and things like that, you're like, that's fascinating to me because you think, like what's going on in someone's mind that they think that's appropriate or yeah. So the way people interact with each other is fascinating that, you know, like when you see someone sucking up to someone, it's like, Oh, you know, I shall use this. Yeah. Yeah. So like when you see interesting behaviors, like I, I loved all that stuff. What's your advice for creating a good character? Well, like I was saying earlier, like if you have, you want like a, a butt, in a character, not literally a butt. <laughs> Don't snigger. It's beneath you. No, but like if you've got a character who is like you want like to be like uh, the dark uh, enemy nemesis character, give them something soft as a contrast. Like they like cats or growing tulips or whatever. And if some like April is like really angry, but she's devoted to her little fluffy dog, it's so who is cute. also really angry. <laughs> Very angry. But if someone is like really, really, really nice and good, give them something like, you know, but they can't stand small children. (laughs) You know? Don't we all? (laughs) So, one more question each. Okay. I like how you got one more question to one more question each. (laughs) One more question each. Good manipulation. I'm going to use that. (laughs) Manipulation. Oh, I could ask a question about manipulation. Yes. Oh, gosh, do you manipulate anybody? <laughs> no, I haven't got the social skills to manipulate anybody. I'm barely functional as a human being. Like in real life, people are often like, oh, I'm so pleased to meet you and my favourite author. And I was like, oh, goodness, go read the books because you're just going to be disappointed by me as a human because <laughs> I will say something inappropriate in the first 30 seconds you meet me and I'll make you uncomfortable and then you'll want to edge away while <laughs> not making eye contact. So, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not a manipulator. I'm more of a brutally honest what's going through my mind in that moment when I shouldn't be person. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. What's your? last question um if you weren't an author what would you want to do next oh I think about this a lot because I think about getting out all the time I did briefly consider becoming a doctor and I actually went and studied to and I did the medical school because it's you got to do like a seven hour exam to get into medical school so I did the exam and I got in and then I was just like what am I doing like doctors have to touch sick people that's so gross and they have to like train for like seven years or something I, I love like learning stuff that would be fun but it's like they have to work indoors as well it's like I like I, I work indoors but I go to the gym every day and you know I have such a good life 
Admittedly, I don't have a lot of money, but I have a fantastic life. I get to see heaps of my kids and I don't have to touch sick people. And also, there's thousands of doctors in Australia. There's How many co- women comedy writers are there? Very few. So I just thought, no, I've been given this amazing talent and maybe it's a, you know not going to make me super rich, but I sort of owe it to the talent to just keep writing. Yeah. So I thought about that. And then sometimes I think about just being a professional espalier of fruit trees, which sounds ridiculous, but I do live in a community with a lot of old people who have fruit trees and I'm pretty sure they'd pay pretty well because they can't climb up and do this pruning themselves. And I do go to people's houses and prune their trees. for. And I think I could do that like as a side hustle and earn some money. Lovely. So, yeah. Okay. Doctor tree pruner. They're my, my fallbacks. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you so much for coming for this interview. No worries. As it started, I thought we were just chatting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure we're recording. We're recording. Yeah, yeah, great. We get enough photo taken now. Make sure the back of your head looks really good. (laughs) (laughs) Smooth it out. This interview was recorded for the Conversation Caravan at Scribblers Festival 2021. For more stories and info about the festival, head to scribblersfestival.com.au. This is R.A. Spratt, and you're listening to Scribblers Radio.